Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. It's Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. I'm reading this from uh, the Passion Translation. I love this. It says, we pray, this is Paul talking to, to the church, the Apostle Paul. He said, we pray that you would walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing that you do. Then you'll, you will become fruit-bearing branches, yielding to his life and maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in his fullness. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we love you. We ask that in the time that we have this morning together, these brief moments, Lord, that you would, for every single person within the shot of my voice, those that even afterwards hear this on our podcast, Father, that you would open up our minds to hear. God, I pray that you would uh, help our hearts to be soft and receptive and open. Lord, any, any barriers that we've put up, for whatever reason, God, we pray that in this moment, in this place, Lord, that we would put those things down so that we can receive what you're trying to communicate to us today. In the mighty name of Jesus, somebody say amen. Amen. Now, um, everyone has a different story, and I know um, there are people, there's kind of two categories. Either you, you grew up in the church, um, and that's just been your experience, or you didn't, and it's brand new to you. That's usually kind of the two things. Uh, for us as a church, we came here with the desire, the, um, the drive, if you will, to really target and go after people that had never had that church experience, but yet were still hungry for something more. Uh, we would wholeheartedly with full conviction say that we know what that more is and we know what that something is. And, uh, but it, but it, takes, it takes people willing to say yes to Jesus to kind of put yourself out there to create relationships and opportunity so that you can take what you know, what God has done in your life, your story, your testimony, and share it with people to bring them into a place of new hope and new life as well. And uh, so for me growing up in the church world, my testimony uh, would be different from some of yours. My testimony wasn't of how, you know, I was a partier, I was a drinker, I was an addict and almost died and then God pulled me and had this moment and then I was just, I was like, wow, I'm gonna, that was so crazy, I'm just gonna give my life for Jesus forever because I had such a radical conversion. I know people who have had that. I remember growing up, hearing those stories and thinking to myself, I have nothing to say. <laughs> I, I have nothing. Like, wow, I mean, all I, had, all I got to do is like tell one or two lines of his background and the fact that he's still standing here, people are gonna run to Jesus. God, how are you gonna use me? And, uh, and so my testimony ended up being a little bit more, um, I don't even know how to describe it other than uh, very more, a lot more religious. I grew up in church and so that meant that uh, I had a lot of head knowledge because, you know, of all the, the, you know, the kids' ministry and the Sunday school, and then my, my parents were pastors, so, you know, it's different, you know, hearing more teaching maybe than most people may normally hear, or going to different church activities. Uh, for me, you know, I, 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 I slept probably at the church almost equally as I sometimes slept at home. That's just how we did life. That was it. That was what we did. And so I remember as a teenager... Uh, beginning to realize that the people that were around me, my peers and maybe some others, didn't have the level of head knowledge that I had uh, consumed and developed from my vast uh, expertise and experience in the church world. And, uh, and something inside of me during that season felt like the way that I could help people was by letting them know how what they were doing was the wrong thing to do 
and how I could prove it by giving them even the scripture to back that up. And I thought that I was, you know, I'm, I'm, gonna, set, I'm gonna help my friends. I'm gonna set some people free by getting them in on the inside information that I know. And, 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 and I began to realize that, that over time that wasn't a successful tactic for trying to help people. I realized that people don't need to be told what they're doing wrong because people already know what they're doing wrong. Maybe it's not connecting up here. Maybe they can't even identify it, but in here they know that something's wrong. In their heart they know that something's wrong. What they need is something that God revealed to me later as we were even pastoring another church uh, years ago in Kalispell, Montana, beautiful Kalispell, Montana. And, uh, And I began to pray a prayer that I had really never prayed before And I said, God, would you help me to see, and let me warn you in advance, because some are gonna be like, that sounds cool, I'm gonna write that down, I'm gonna start praying that. Let me warn you. Sometimes when you start praying things, God will answer what you are praying for. There's a little bit of a joke in that because God always answers prayers. He just doesn't always answer them the way that you would like him to answer them. You can write that down and meditate on that later. But here's the thing, I said, God, would you help me to see people the way that you see people. And I prayed that consistently for a while because we were in a, in a new environment, in a new role, and, and, and a new level of leadership we had never experienced before. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden I began to experience the weight of what it meant to, to shepherd people that I didn't even know yet and to identify with who they were and where they were and what they were dealing with. And I realized that what I thought was the way to do it before wasn't going to cut it. I was never going to be able to be used in a way that God wanted to use me if I was stuck in my old ways of doing things. And you know what God did? He broke my heart for people. So I'm telling you, you can, you can pray it, that's fine. And I would maybe even say, go for it. But just know that if you ask God to give you his heart for people, just be ready because it's not gonna be anything that you ever would have imagined. All of a sudden, people that maybe you wanted to introduce your knuckles to the back of their skull end up being people that you can't, you can't sleep at night because you're wondering how they're doing. People that maybe before you wanted to get on Facebook and just let them know how wrong they are and then get all your friends to come and comment after yours and just kind of like get, you know pile on. All of a sudden, you're saying, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't say that because... That, that might actually push them further away from what God's trying to do. Maybe there's a different way. Instead of driving down Virginia Street in our city and looking at the brokenness and saying, man, I wish we'd clean up this city. I wish this, this could be, you know, this I mean, is gonna mess up our, our tourism economy here with people like this all over the place. All of a sudden you find yourself driving down Virginia Street, praying for people and being willing to say, God, is there, is there anybody that you would even want me to pull my car over and get out and go talk to them or, or ask them to get in my car and take them and go buy them a meal? Or it's, it's gonna mess you up if you pray that prayer. And um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. That one just kind of came out. But we need to grow. Churches need to grow. Churches don't grow just because of numbers. Churches actually begin to grow when what is healthy within that church begins to spread to the people who are becoming a part of that church. And all of a sudden, the healthy things begin to rub off on other people and more healthy things and we begin to grow. 
and we begin to realize that we're not just trying to fill seats for the sake of filling seats, for snapping selfies and posting how many seats we had filled, but we realize that a seat represents a life and a life represents somebody that God created with purpose. And all of a sudden, instead of having to be a pastor that's like, oh, no, 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 it's not about the numbers, even if it's just one. Yeah, we do it for the one. For this one, 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 for any other chair that we have in this building. For those, uh, for the empty chair that's next to you represents a person. It could represent a husband, a wife. It could represent a child. It could represent your neighbor. It could represent your coworker. We are in this for the numbers. This is gonna be on a podcast. I wanna make sure you hear this if you're listening to this later. We're in it for the numbers. The definition of grow, let's look at Mr. Daniel Webster. He helps us out a little bit. Grow is a verb. Uh, in, in the context of what we're talking about. Number one, undergo natural development by increasing in size and changing physically. Uh, progress to maturity. Some of the synonyms, get bigger, get taller, get larger. I wish it was a little bit taller, not, not actually me. I'm six foot seven. Um, increase in size, increase in weight. Nope, don't want to do that. Fill out. No. Um, these, are, these are what my kids are trying to do. My oldest son, he's, ever since he was, I don't even know how young, he's like, I'm going to be as tall as you. And he's He's getting there. I did tell him, however, that if he caught me, I will grow again. Um, number two, become larger or greater over a period of time increase. Everything that God created, including you, is filled with its potential from conception. Uh, but in order to see the potential realized, it has to grow, right? Uh, if you look at nature, and I believe even as we go through this series, there's going to be tons of analogies about like trees and roots and a lot of agriculture analogies. But, but the reason that God communicates that with us that way is because we're able to visually see all around us what God is talking about. We don't live in a world filled with seeds in the ground, which there's lots of those. We live in a world that also has trees and bushes and all types of flowers and fruit and vegetables. And they all started where? As a seed but they didn't stay there. And it's absolutely no different for you. Uh, your life is no exception. You started as a seed. And at the moment of your life's conception, you contained every ounce of potential that God designed for you. But you will never reach that potential unless you grow. So in this teaching series, and, and I encourage you, you know, don't just wait for the podcast to come out and go golfing on Sunday. You know, there's, there's actually lots of hours on Sunday afternoon to go golfing and hiking and all these different things, but that's not what we're talking about today, unless you need to grow. Uh, and then we are talking to you. But, um, you know, every, every analogy breaks down somewhere. It's, 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 that's fine. Uh, but we need to understand that um, as, as humanity, as male and female, we, it's beautiful. We're the apex of God's creation. There is absolutely no other part of God's creation that was created in his very image. We contain the, the attributes of God's limitless creative and innovative power. And you can see, you can see uh, fractions of that and maybe even other animals or species or creation or plants. But the cool thing is there's also no other part of creation where God said, now you go and take dominion over everything else that I have created. Be a good steward of it. Lead it. Guide it. We get to contain that. So our growth is going to be more complex than just comparing it to a seed that goes into a ground and comes up and sprouts a leaf and eventually becomes a tree and produces fruit and casts out seed and then it dies and then it reads, you know, some people do look at humanity that way and it's sad. We're just, we just, we're living, we do our thing, we, we, we reproduce, 
and then we die, and then our seed that we reproduce carries on. It's just an endless cycle of, you know, this, uh, the cycle of life. That's just all it is. But it's just, it's just not true because there's so much that God put inside of you that God wants to release out of you. Did you know that somebody is waiting to grow based on the growth that happens in your life? There are some people who are waiting for your potential to be released so that they can be the recipient of that seed that comes out of you, which is going to plant something in them that God is going to water and people are going to nurture and that person's going to grow. But if we don't take the initiative to start that way, then we begin to stifle what God is trying to do, even in other people. You're like, well, you know, God's gracious and if I don't do it, he'll get somebody else to do it. I don't, maybe, yeah, probably, I don't know, because God's love for all people is so great that we can't imagine it. But why would you not want to be a part of being what God created you to be when it is in your power to do so? <clears throat> Throughout this series, um, that's what I was going to say earlier. Keep coming back, because this is going to build on itself. So don't just wait, you know, for the podcast, and then I'll, I'll listen to it later. Some of the things that I want to talk about in this series over the next few weeks, I want to talk about the power and the importance of a root system. And no, we're not, these are all analogies, so we're not going to, that would, yeah. We're going to talk about how things grow and how they get watered. We're going to talk about spiritual miracle grow. We're going to talk about how to grow in your community uh, and, and how others are, are awaiting your growth because they're going to be the recipients of the fruit that you produce. Uh, so, all right, so help me out. I haven't given you the title of today's message yet, so I need you all to help me out with this. Look to somebody. You get to pick first choice. Whoever you look at first, say, my soil, my responsibility. My soil, I want to make sure you all get this, my responsibility. Not my soil, your responsibility. Not my soil, somebody else's responsibility. My soil my responsibility. The fulfillment of your purpose is directly connected to your commitment to grow. You're like, Pastor, this sounds a whole lot like you're talking about like works, like us achieving something through works. There actually is lots of works that God desires you to achieve. Just none of them will equate to your salvation. It equates to the fruit of your life after you've encountered Jesus. So your salvation is, is paid for by Jesus. You don't earn your salvation. Your good works on your best day times a thousand will never be good enough for God to love you and to save you. But that's the cool thing about grace is that he said, before even on your worst day, that's what I picture when I sent my son to go to the cross to die for you, to take the punishment you deserve for your dirty works, for your sins, for your thoughts, for your actions. And so no longer will you have to be guilty of those things anymore if you will put your eyes on and put your faith in my son, Jesus Christ. That is not done by works. What is done by works is the, what you do with your life, the fruit that you produce, and the impact that that has on other people. A tree, listen to this, guys. A tree or a plant is subject to the environment where it finds itself. A tree, a tree or a plant doesn't get to say, man, I don't like my dirt. I don't really, I don't like the tree that's next to me, so I'm gonna, you know, put myself up. I'm gonna go find myself some new dirt, some new trees to hang out with, put my roots down. Like a, a plant is subject to where it's planted. You know, it may be like it, it you know, produces fruit and it drops and the seeds go into the ground and maybe a couple produce or if it's, you know, those little, you know, little wishweed things, you blow on them and the wind takes them and wherever they land, that's where they're gonna be. 
They don't get to land and grow legs and be like, actually, a little bit further over here would have been much better. But you, though, listen, you are not subject to the environment where somebody else has placed you. You you are not subject to be the product of what you were raised in. You are not, you don't have to stay where people told you you had to stay because they told you what you could never do. You don't have to be defined in one spot or one situation by the sum of what happened to you when you were growing up or even as an adult. Your, your abuse does not, you're not subject to staying in that place of abuse. You're not subject to staying in that place of addiction. You're not subject to staying in that place of toxic relationships. Plants have to stay where they're put unless somebody else, a person actually uproots them and moves them. But for us, if we're in an unhealthy place, if we're in a broken place, if we're in a fruitless place, if we are not in a life-giving place, then we actually do have the ability, the power, the, the, the aptitude, if you will, to choose to make changes so that we can grow. You have a choice and you have a responsibility to take steps to change your reality. Now check this out. Here's a couple of quick verses because I want you to understand that God has a plan for your life. And I, I've, I've heard that and I've even probably said it in different ways over the years as I was growing and maturing myself that, that didn't paint the best picture or the most accurate picture. But here's the deal. Sometimes people say, okay, God's got a plan for my life so I really don't have to do anything. I just have to get up and live and then God's gonna make things happen so that his plan for my life unfolds. And it doesn't work that way because the Bible doesn't tell you God's plan for your life is is fill in the blank. This is what it does say. Jeremiah 29, 11, for, this is, uh, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and to give you a hope. So you're like, God, that's great. That sounds, you know, it's good. It's not for disaster. You know, you're not trying to destroy me. That's good. Can you be more specific, God? God says, no, I'm not gonna be more specific. I just want you to know the nature of the plans I have for you. I want you to actually get up and begin to seek me and follow me and go after me. And as you progress on this journey and as you grow, the details will begin to unfold. Opportunity will begin to come into your path. Decisions will, you will get to make decisions based on how you seek the face of the Lord and how you desire to honor God with the decisions that you are making. And you will see the plans of God unfold for your life. Romans 12, 2, I love this one. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Not changing the way that you do. Religion changes what you do. God changes how you think. Because if he can transform your mind, it will transform your actions. Then you will learn, you will learn. There's a process. It doesn't say then you will become. It says then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is, I love these, Good, okay, I like that. It's pleasing, oh. You mean I don't have to marry somebody that I think is ugly? No. <laughs> Wish I had a dollar for every time I've, pastor, I wanna get married, I wanna do the will of God, but I'm just so afraid he's gonna marry, make me marry an ugly person. Be like, he's not gonna do that to you. Or, or another one I've heard, and I'm, you know, it's funny, but at the same time, like maybe, maybe this connects with you. Like, I wanna, I wanna serve God with my life, but I'm afraid he's gonna like send me to a country I don't wanna go to. 
Why would he do that? I'm not saying he's not going to send you somewhere that might test you. But why would he? God doesn't want you to be miserable because his plans for you are good and they're pleasing and they are perfect. So let me, here's a couple of promises for this series. I feel like I'm, I'm advertising to you for this series to make you want to come back. Here's the deal. If you keep coming back for this, I know that this is going to inspire purpose in your life. I know it's going to encourage life inside of you. I know it's going to build faith inside of you. But let me also give you a disclaimer. Um, I am, and this is what I feel like God has put on my heart for this series, um, I'm going to be going after broken belief systems inside of you. I'm going to be going after unhealthy mindsets, diseased spiritual practices. Um, This series is going to dig and it's going to poke inside of you. And I'm just hoping that through, uh, through the grace of God, through the Holy Spirit, that you feel that God is doing something in you because he loves you. There's not going to be judgment in this series. There's not going to be accusation in this series. There's not going to be condemnation in this series. But you know what? My parents had a garden growing up. And when it came time to, to plant for the next season, before they could plant seeds, she had to do a whole lot of weeding. Ripping out weeds, digging up that soil, uh, you know, even bringing in fresh, healthy soil to mix in with the existing soil. And and there, were, there was stuff that had to get out so that the good stuff had room to be in. Now we're ready for Matthew. I gave you a long time to get there if you are trying to go there. But I want to read this to you. I love this. This is a parable. A parable is a story that, that Jesus would tell to either his disciples or the crowds around him. A parable is a story that contains uh, biblical meaning and kingdom of God meaning. But it's told in a way that the people during this time would have understood uh, through analogy what Jesus was trying to say. And so starting in verse 1, I shall start in, in verse 3. Um, it's Jesus, Jesus speaking here. He says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. And he scattered them across the field. Some seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed uh, uh, quickly or sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon withered under the hot sun since it didn't have deep roots, then died. Other seed fell on thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plant. Still other seed fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted Anyone, and if you hear Jesus saying this, like you know he's trying, to, he's trying to get past the surface. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then in, in come his, his wonderful disciples. And uh, they, they were wonderful, but sometimes you kind of get the picture. They're a little slow on the, on the learning curve. And, you know, all the crowd leaves, and so they're with Jesus. And you kind of see, like, I just assume it's Peter. I don't know if it is. But he's like, um, hey, Jesus, that was such a cool story. Um, what, 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 what do you mean? What, can you tell us about that? And so, you know, I don't know if it would, Jesus had a laugh or he just shook his head or he's like, oh, oh, Peter, you, okay. So he says, okay, I will explain it to you. And then in verse 18, if you skip down in verse 18, Jesus begins to explain. He goes, um, Bless our, sorry, that's verse 16. Verse 18, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the, far, the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or persecuted for believing God's word. 
The seed that fell among thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth so no fruit is produced. And then the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as has been planted. And so listen, there are, I want to break it down again. There's, there's, there's kind of four categories here that Jesus is speaking to. First of all, the farmer, that's God. And I love the reality that the God wasn't only looking for good seed and individually taking seeds and planting them only in good soil. I kind of visualize it because I've seen my grandfather do this one because he had a farm and I grew up on Papa's farm and that's how I actually went over my wife telling her stories of Papa's farm and going fishing as a boy. And, and I don't know why, maybe because she thought it was like Huckleberry Finn or something. Um, <laughs> But I, I remember like my, my grandfather would go out, Papa would go out, he would, he would till the field with his tractor, he would get it ready. But then when it came time to scatter seed, there were, depending on the plant, he would literally take a handful of seed and just do that. And I didn't know any different to think nothing about it. But looking at this, I kind of get that picture of what God's doing with his word. Sometimes people in a religious circle like to think that, you know, God's only going after the people that are gonna understand what God has to say. I don't think so. I think God looks at all humanity and he takes the truth and the love and the grace of his word and he, just, he wants to get it out there. Because even if your soil's not ready, he still wants you to have the opportunity. You know, I think, you know, I would love to, I'd love to debate this. Actually, no, I take that back, I don't because it frustrates the snot out of me. But when people wanna talk about how God's gonna save some and God's not gonna save others, God, God picks those who are gonna go to heaven and God picks those who are not gonna go to heaven and, uh, and they, they, they justify this argument by calling it predestination, which is a word that you can still find in the Bible, but it actually has more to do with the foreknowledge of God not being in time like we are. He can see the end he, from the beginning. He knows who will accept, he knows who won't. And, but the Bible tells us clearly that his desire, this is scripture, is that none should perish. So I'm like, God, why in the world would you pick and choose if your desire is that none should perish? You're God, if your desire is that none should perish, that seems to me like everybody has a chance. And then we see how the fact that the farmer who is God is scattering the good news, the word of God on all types of soil, not just, well, I've picked you to be good soil, so there you go. No, he's, just, <laughs> he's just making it rain. Seed everywhere, just going for it, making a mess because he wants everybody to have an opportunity. Listen, it is okay to not be okay. Somebody needs to kind of let that get in. Because this morning you were coming to church like, man, I got to, all right, what words do I not say when I'm at church? Okay, don't try to, all right, everybody at church always at least pretends like they're happy. So I need to, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning my life, but I'm going uh, to put my church face on. Hey, praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're here for Jesus. I love it. When on the inside, all hell is breaking loose. The mo I, I don't know if there's any research on this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I'm pretty sure it's fact. The more marital fights happen on Sunday morning and on the way to church than any other time of the week. Your kids lose their mind on usually Saturday night, actually, into Sunday morning more than any. I have never seen kids get more sick than they do on a Saturday night. The devil is a liar. We just need to know that. It's okay to not be okay, but listen, it's not okay to stay that way. 
It's not okay to stay that way. God receives, we sang about this, this is cool. I actually didn't know they were doing this song. We sang about this. God receives you just as you are right here, but he loves you so much that he refuses to let you stay right here. My soil, my responsibility. Your soil equals the condition of your heart. Now here are the four areas. You got the, the, the soil that was the footpath, you know, hard ground trampled on. It represents a hard heart. You have the rocky soil, that represents a shallow and an immature heart. You have the thorny soil, that represents a divided heart. And then you have the good soil, that represents um, a teachable heart. That word teachable, that's so important. The good soil represents a teachable heart. It's important for us to understand that none of these characteristics are, are your identity. They don't define you. Uh, these are not badges of honor or judgments or verdicts against you. They are, they are simply a spiritual diagnosis that is going to help you to know where you are and how you need to position yourself before God so that the gardener can begin to prepare you to grow. The hard heart um, describes the soil that's been trampled on the footpath. And, and when I see this, you know, it, the thing that creates hard heart in people isn't usually just what you choose to have a hard heart. People with the hardest hearts are usually that way because they've built up the most defenses around them because they've been trampled on so much. You've been abused. You've been rejected. You've been manipulated. You've been, you're, you're a good guy. You're a good lady. You've been taken advantage of by people that know that. And because of that, you say, I'm not going to let this happen anymore. And, and so you put these, these walls up around you to create protection. But unfortunately, we... Uh, instead of letting Jesus take the pain, bring healing, and use it as an opportunity for growth, we actually close ourselves off to the world. We think we're protecting ourselves, but in reality, we're removing ourselves from the opportunity of healing. We bury hurt in our heart, and it doesn't go away. It just becomes infected, making our soil unhealthy and our relationships toxic and empty. A shallow and an immature heart, the rocky soil, um, there, may be, there may be some soil here. There may be some chance for something to take root, but there's not enough for it to actually... Uh, endure. People in this category are, they're, they're still open to Jesus and they may even choose to become a Jesus follower. They may get saved. They may make that decision. Um, but there's a lack of understanding. And so many people in this area, when, when things get hard, they, they walk away. Because unfortunately, I think it's happened in the church world. There's been too much communication, not directly said, but almost implied that, hey, just give your life to Jesus, man. Everything's going to get better. My experience in my life and observing the world around me is that people who dive into following Jesus, Jesus said, hey, guess what? They put me on the stinking cross. What do you think they're gonna do to you? Oh, me, I'll sign up. <laughs> Can I be on your team? This sounds fantastic. No, Jesus doesn't create utopia for you when you decide to follow him. He just promises he's gonna be there right there by your side as you go through what the world is already gonna throw at you. But that shallow and that immature heart and when things get rough, oh, that's not, uh, preacher was inspiring, but that's not what I signed up for. I'm out of here. A divided heart, this is a big one. A divided heart is, is uh, the thorny soil. And here's the thing, the soil isn't the problem with this heart condition. It's what you have allowed to be planted in the soil that's the problem here. Thorns represent stuff. This can literally be anything at all that takes the place of God in your life or that takes the place of what God wants to do with your life. All in the pursuit of trying to be fulfilled, trying to matter, trying to 
means something, trying to be accepted. And so let me say some stuff here. And again, we're, we're pulling weeds, guys. We're pulling weeds. We're trying to clear this ground to make room for what God wants to do in your life. Um, many Jesus followers have, have filled their lives with good things that can keep you from being great for God. Um, wealth and the pursuit of wealth, security, the pursuit of security, comfort and the pursuit of comfort, misplaced belonging and the pursuit of belonging, uh, position and the pursuit of position, fear and the pursuit of self-preservation, worry and the pursuit of control. Did you know that when you, when you struggle with worry, you're actually struggling with having to control everything. People who have the hardest problems with worry in their life are the ones that are afraid of what they can't control. And when they can't control it, worry consumes their life. God wants to take that from you today. Most commonly, if, if this is some that you may put yourself in this category, and, and I just encourage you, like, this isn't about, like, the person sitting next to you be like, oh, I know which one they are. Be like, thorny, thorny soil over. No, let's, let's, do a, let's do a spiritual selfie. Come on. Let's take inventory. And let's say, God, where am I? Most commonly for the divided heart, um, you might have thoughts like, yeah, I'd, I'd follow Jesus more passionately, but um, I'd come to church more often, but um, I, I'd serve, but uh, yeah, that mission trip sounds great. I'd go on it, but mm, um, I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd give financially, but I wish I could serve my city like you guys do. I wish I could love people like you guys do, but, but my job, but my family, but my personality, but my goals, but my preferences, but my limitations, but my finances. A lot of buts there. I call that the Sir Mix-a-Lot syndrome. Just gonna, just gonna leave that right there. Then there's the teachable heart. The teachable heart. The reason why the good soil is a teachable heart is because good soil doesn't give limitations to the farmer. Good soil doesn't tell the farmer how to, how to plant the seed, where to plant the seed. The good, uh, good soil, a teachable heart doesn't give criteria to the farmer, doesn't seek its own agenda. A teachable heart says, here I am. I'm ready. Jesus, use me. Do what you want to do with my life. Good soil is ready for whatever and whenever. And that's the heart that's going to produce the most fruit in its life and in people around it. So, good Lord, I just looked at the clock. I'll edit that out of the podcast. Okay, three things. Can you all write this down real quick? Number one, a teachable heart is a humble heart. A teachable heart is a humble heart. Matthew uh, 11, 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, yoke being that, you know, if you were to look at an oxen plow in the field, it's what they put around the oxen so it can plow, ironically enough, so that it can cultivate the soil so something can be planted. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, be teachable, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give is light. Jesus can teach you to be humble. Why? Because he's humble. He didn't come as a conquering king. He came as a homeless baby. Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 4.12, and uh, listen, when you, 
And I'm speaking to people that you would be brand new or maybe not even there yet in being a Jesus follower. You're like, I don't know. Still don't know. And that's okay. This is a place where you can be okay with that. We're okay with that. We're just going to continue to let you know how much God loves you and present you with truth so that you can be what God created you to be. And eventually, I know that light switch is going to flip on. And then there's those here that you've walked with the Lord for, for decades and decades, and, and you've, you've led, and you've done this, and you've been around the world. You've done things for the Lord. And I want to encourage and push both, both spectrums there to say, you're, you're not done growing. Some of you haven't even started. Some of you, you're, you're still looking at your trophies of years past, and God says, there's more. There's more for you. Number two, I'm just actually gonna go to number two here. A teachable heart is a forgetful heart. A teachable heart is a forgetful heart. Let me read the scripture to you. Uh, Philippians 3, 13 and 17, it says, I focus, this is Paul the Apostle Paul, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are, this is a little bit of a little poke from Paul. And I'm like, because I've been poked by this before. Listen, he goes, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. I love his little, his argument there. Well, if you're mature, you'll agree. Okay, all right. Got it, Paul. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you, but you must hold on to the progress that we already have made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. So he wasn't just saying, go read your Bible, go have your own little personal time with the Lord because that's all that you need. No, he was talking about you following the example of those that are ahead of you and who are going in that same direction so that you, if you don't know what to do, do what he did. I don't, I don't know what I should do next, but she's got her stuff together and things are, I'm just gonna copy what she's doing. That's okay. Because eventually you will get to the place where you've got strength enough to be able to, to, to seek the Lord and, and understand scripture and to move in that direction and to take steps of faith and others will begin to follow you. But until that moment happens, be ready to look for those who can say, hey, I'm not perfect, but I am following Jesus. If you don't know what to do, learn from me. And if I make a mistake, then learn from that mistake so you don't have to repeat that mistake. A teachable heart is a forgetful heart, not because you forget the past, but because you focus on what's ahead. It's actually a focus thing. You know, that's why when you drive a car, there's, there's like, there's three mirrors looking backwards, but they're teeny tiny. There's ginormous windshield and windows around you so that you can see where you're headed. God wants you to focus more on where you're headed than where you've come from. The cool thing about your past and why God doesn't let you forget your past is because the past was actually meant to be used by the enemy to destroy you. God wants the past to be a reminder, not to you, but to the enemy. Be like, nice try. Uh, you were supposed to take them out. Nice try. Actually, we're gonna let them remember this because as they continue to kick you in the teeth, devil, we're gonna remember where they came from and how great God is and how much you suck and how much purpose there's still in my life and how you still suck and I'm gonna continue to move forward. That's why you don't forget your past. Sometimes it can hurt. I know, I know it can hurt. I get it. But God wants you to remember where you came from while you're focused on where he's taking you. You wanna hop up? I'm gonna, that's gonna encourage me to be done. And this is the last one. A teachable heart is a hungry heart. A teachable heart is a hungry heart. Hunger can drive people to do great things or terrible things. The direction you are positioned will determine what you go after in your hunger. Psalm 107, 9, it says, For he satisfies the thirst and fills the hungry with good things. Proverbs 27, 7 says, A person who is full refuses honey, but even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. 
Fullness here represents arrogance and pride. Being filled with what is empty will actually keep you from being hungry for what is good. Let me say that one more time. Being filled with what is empty will keep you from being hungry for what is good. Pride says you're full when you actually have nothing. Pride says I don't need anything when you actually are hurting and starving. A teachable heart has a desperation for more of what is good, for more of what is God. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says, how enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. Righteousness just simply means right living, going after the way that God would wanna do things. It will, you'll be surrounded with fruitfulness. Come on, let's not be content with where we are. Let's not, be, uh, let's not settle for our current reality. Let's realize that God has more for you. There is more. We actually launched the church on that, on that whole concept. There is more. Whether you've experienced the things of the Lord or whether you never have, there is more. Whether you've traveled the world or whether you haven't even traveled out your neighborhood, there is more. God wants to take you places you've never been before. He wants to give you effectiveness you've never accomplished before. He wants you to impact your family, your neighborhood, your city, your region in ways that you never have before. It's not for somebody else. God has planted a seed of power and greatness inside of you, not somebody else. He's put it inside of you. The Holy Spirit wants to water that seed, wants to remove the weeds and, pre and prepare you to be fruitful to do the things that he created you to do. This is where we'll end right here. Ephesians 3.20, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imaginations, he will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Constantly energizes you. Will you bow your head? I wanna pray for you this morning. Father, help us to be authentic with you about where we are. God, we know that none of these categories, they're, they're not our identity, they don't define us, but God, they're, they're, they're symptomatic and systematic, God, of where we are in our journey with you. So Father, whether it's, whether it's a hard heart, whether it's a, a, a immature heart, whether it's a divided heart, or even if we're, we're good soil, God, continue to do your work. Continue to remove the things out of our heart and our mind that hold us back from you. Continue to develop us as men and women to be what you created us to be, fully empowered, fully filled with your Holy Spirit, to be a light in darkness, to bring the love and the grace of God to our families, to our city, to our world. Father, let none of us be held back by our past, by what other people have spoken into us, by, by brokenness, by abuse, by hurt, by addiction. God, has set people free, God, even in this moment, the way that they came here today, God, I know that because of your love, they can leave different. They can come here today, God, with their hearts being one type of soil, and they can leave today, God, with good soil in their hearts, Father, ready to be used by you. So Father, I pray right now that that would just rest over this place, over those that are able to hear the sound of my voice and the words that you have spoken today, Lord. 
Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.